Clubhouse bonus episode, Adapting to Different Teacher Needs. Hey, Elite Educators, it's Gretchen here from Always a Lesson. I'm popping in here with a super exciting bonus episode. I have been leading chats on the Clubhouse app, which is an audio conversation platform for months now. I created the Instructional Coaching Club on Clubhouse, and I lead those chats Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern, so I sure hope you join us. But if not, drum roll please, you can catch the replay right here. How cool is that? This is a new feature Clubhouse has rolled out, so the past chats we've held are not recorded. It's such a bummer. However, going forward, I will be sharing the replay with you here. Even more professional support for you on your edu leadership journey. So let's dive into the convo. Hey, Ryan. I'm just pinging in um, Deborah. She's going to be my co-mod. So just hang tight a second. Hope you're doing well. I'm so happy they have this chat feature so you can talk to me while we are doing this. This is great. Okay, so um, I'm going to get started. She's actually like halfway around the world and I'm wondering if it's going to be a little lag. So I am going to get us all set up. We're going to be talking about how to support the different needs of our teachers. So with that being said, feel free to continue to comment in the chat or come on up stage. I'm going to ping some more coaches in. I know it's like spring break and getting back to everything. But I have a formula I'm going to be sharing as well uh, tonight to help us just really stay focused and expect that the teachers we work with are going to have, welcome Saki, different needs and require us to do different things. So it's important that we don't just assume when we go into a coaching situation, especially every year, that these are going to be what teachers need help with. And, and hey, Becky, and even though um, our admin has said, this is what our focus is, that we can still wait and see and pull our audience and know our teachers before we decide what our game plan is. And just like in the classroom, everyone is, hey, Nicole, welcome. In the classroom, you're going to have every year, you're going to have things you do that you know are helpful, kind of like your staples. And then you're going to have to adjust based on the kind of kids in your room. The same is true with, with coaching or leadership of any kind. You're going to have certain tips and tricks and strategies that work every year. And then certain times you're going to say, I, it's not going to work with this group, or I have a challenge, or I have some folks who are really accelerated. Um, so it's important that you have kind of a, a bag of tricks that can be flexible. So I'm going to give you some quick steps to help you assess where everyone is. And then I'm going to give you different ways to outsource your leadership. Uh, welcome, Fanti. And the reason I say that is because you cannot be everywhere and you cannot be everything to everybody. It's really essential that you are figuring out who you can lean on, who is strong in particular areas, so you can ask folks to either go watch them, to co-plan with them, to ask them a few questions, to look over something, to ask them to film five minutes. Uh, so the more that not only do you know the needs of the staff, so you know how to support them, but that you also know what everyone's strengths are so you can utilize them later. So 
a quick uh, review and recap of what we're going to talk about tonight. And feel free to get in the chat. I see the chat's already going. And feel free to come up on stage. Uh, I am co-modding this particular session with Deborah, and she hasn't yet appeared, and that's okay. We're going to keep it going. But first and foremost, decide how you want to get the information. Uh, I know this is towards the end of the year, but this is the perfect time to ask them. I always ask at the end of a PD session or when teachers are turning in books, hey, Christina, um, anytime I have like a quick interaction with them, hey, I have one question for you and I want you to be brutally honest. And if you're uncomfortable telling me if you would put it in this anonymous bin and I'll check it at the end of the week or submit this Google form, however you want to do it. The one question is, what support did you wish you had this year? And the reason I ask that is they're going to tell me, well, I really liked I did this or what I really wish I had was this. And you can then decide, shoot, I missed opportunity for, for X, Y, Z. Or, uh, yeah, I just didn't have time or we just can't fulfill that request, right? And so when you're asking them what's missing at the end of this year while it's really fresh and while they're really frustrated, it's eye-opening to you so that you in the fall know I'm going to roll out strong with this plan or I'm going to build it in uh, when we come back from Christmas break or after spring break when things really rev up and stress is high. This is what I know that they need. So decide now how are you going to ask the current group of teachers you serve what support they wish they had from, from you, from admin, from any support staff, what, what they needed. Um, and if they are willing to answer more questions than you say, is there something you want to make sure you have again next year that was provided to you this year? And it could be just the fact that you can learn remotely instead of coming to PD. It could be that they were able to collaborate with a different grade level or subject area and they found that beneficial something. But really the most important is what changes do you, do you want to make? And once you have that, that information at the end of this year, you can again ask it again at the beginning of the year. That's totally fine. But I think while it's really on top of their mind and they're really frustrated, it gives you time over the summer to decide how you're going to attack it or how can I raise money, uh, write a quick grant or get my principal to find some funds because teachers need whatever it might be. Maybe they need longer prep period and we need to bring in a round of subs to get 30 minutes extra of instruction carried for or something. Um, and it, it just requires you to be creative, but it gives you the summer to figure it out. So that was step one, once we know what that is. Step two, you can't just go off what they say. I mean, they are really honest. Um, hey, who else have I have not said hi to? Ashley. Um, if they are going to tell you what they wish they needed, but they also are probably going to want to flub a little. <laughs> and the only way you know that is by getting to see them. And you want to see them in a few ways. You want to see them teach, obviously. But more importantly, I like to watch people collaborate. I want to know who are the bossy ones, who are the quiet ones, who are the ones planning their, their grocery list, who are the ones digging through all the resources because they can't get enough. Like, I want to truly know you because then I can cut through the weeds when you're complaining about something or telling me you need something for me. I know, and this will come later, what the true root of the problem is because I've had a chance to really watch 
the way you operate, watch the way you learn, watch the way you work with other people, and obviously watch the way you work with students and teach them. So give yourself ample time to gather that information. That's a great beginning of the year activity when you can't get in to do like real observations and you're trying to build relationships. You're just looking everywhere. You're seen everywhere. You're in all the nooks and crannies of the building. You're interacting as a person. So make sure that's top of mind for you that you're not just out walking about and asking folks like, hey, how can I help? But you're truly with a purpose, gathering intel of how this person operates, how this person learns what they're going to need from me. Uh, and when you're ready, and many of you have already done this this year, is tier your teachers based on their needs. Who are the folks that are going to need a lot of your time and go through multiple cycles? Who are going to need less of your time, but you need to keep checking in on them or give them the next task or next goal or next push? The more that you're able to group them is easier on you because you can serve a group at a time rather than hitting everyone individually. So you might be able to do some one-on-ones, but you might send them to a group practice. You guys are going to watch this video together. You're going to debrief on what you see. And there's tons of free videos, like especially like Teach Like a Champion online that you can view, by the way, if you're wondering where I'm getting videos from. So you can watch it there and then give them some questions to, to answer. And then they're up in practice and you don't even have to be there. You've got the accountability of someone reporting back to you of their takeaways of what they're going to change. And bam, you've just allowed this one group who all had a similar need work together, or maybe you pair up a strong teacher with a weak teacher in a particular area. So it's important, you know, like where everyone is. Um, and once you've grouped them and allow them to kind of work together, then it's time for you to start meeting with them. And that's like your coaching cycles. So I wanted to get that basics out of the way before we dive into really what my strategies are for differentiating. So get your survey done towards the end of this year, like time is running out. Uh, then when you're ready at the beginning of next year, just spend those first few weeks observing, get all your intel, not just observing them teach all the different ways they interact on campus, tier your teachers, group them together to learn, and then meet with them so that you can begin your cycles. That is how a true effective plan of making sure I have all the information I need. I have a plan of attack that is intentional. I'm not just checking people off saying I'm in their classroom. Like I really have a, a good plan of action of why I'm meeting with them, what we're focused on, whatever. All right. So let me just check this chat before I dive into all the different ways I want you to differentiate. Everyone's just saying, Hey, okay, good. There is a, Ryan says there's a huge gap between the needs of new teachers and seasoned teachers, unwritten rules, expectations. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There's a lot when not just new teachers, but new to the building, right? So there's new to teaching, which is really overwhelming because you are new to just content. You're new to how to instruct the whole strategy of teaching. You are new to um, just the building and, and what's happening. There's when you're a new staff member, then you're trying to figure out culture and where do I fit in and where is my key fob and wait, I have to sign in for attendance here. Like you were mentioning unwritten rules. And it's a lot. If you haven't created a sort of a binder uh, for your onboarding system, when you get any new staff, I don't care if they've taught in a million years, like here's the map to the school. Here's the 
department heads or the grade level chairs of, of every grader subject. And here's the admin list. You go to this person for this, you go to this person for this, that all of that is really helpful. And that's something you can create over the summer because you've got the time to just sit and watch TV and get on your laptop for five, 10 minutes here and there. And just kind of say, if I were someone that's brand new, what are little things that would be helpful for them to know that, you know, aren't going to be briefed during orientation. So I'm glad you brought that up, Ryan. Uh, okay. Any questions from you, make sure you put them in the chat and you can also join me on stage, but I'm going to keep us going. I'm going to try one more time to also ping in our comod. She's across the world, y'all, if I haven't mentioned that already. So she might be confused with time. That's my guess. Okay. So first idea is to divide and conquer. If you have multiple leaders in your building, like a literacy facilitator, a math facilitator, a, a content specialist of some kind, a, uh, let's see, what else do we have? A dean of students, anything. You can figure out how to divide. Remember we talked about tiering and grouping your teachers. When you know, like these folks are, are struggling here, I'm going to give them, welcome Stephanie, uh, I'm going to give them to the literacy facil facilitator because these folks are all struggling with a literacy skill. And these folks are going to go to the math facilitator because these folks are struggling with math instruction. Or I'm going to send you over to the new teacher coach because you guys are struggling with basic classroom management, whatever. These head people in your building are essential to either running a book club or they can at least be an accountability buddy, a check-in, a mentor. They can uh, overlook a lesson plan, a tricky part of a lesson plan. They can do a quick practice with you, whatever. I, at the beginning of the year, say, who on um, staff am I going to use? And I run it by them, say, hey, I'm not going to require a lot of time from you because I know you have your own. But I know if teachers are struggling with something you're strong in, are you fine if I tag you in and then I can take something off your plate and we'll just switch? And most of the time they're like, yeah, that, that's great. Because to them, it's not work when it's in their wheelhouse. It's work when it's something they don't enjoy doing or something they're not great in. But when you're like, hey, you're really good at this and someone needs your help, you want to do it? They're like, oh yeah, no, no problem. I could talk about it all day. Uh, so they're really on board. So start thinking also as summer's coming, who are the people I'm going to depend on and what do I want to depend on them for and how can I make sure that teachers can link up with them? So divide and conquer. To be an effective leader, you don't have to do it all. Even though you might be the only one on your campus, there are still people in your district that you could get to know, phone a friend, have Voxer options. You could do a quick Skype or a Zoom call, whatever they are. Now we just have so many different tech ways that it doesn't, you don't have to be in the same building in order to build a relationship and camaraderie and really decide like, oh, I've got this good friend that teaches in another state who's amazing at this. I wonder if we could do a favor for each other. I could help a teacher and she could help a teacher or he. And it's just a really good way to, to grow your professional learning network to help teachers feel like, wow, this person really cares for me because she's, or he's finding the best one out there to help me solve my problem. I always say I'm a connector. 
I will help you think through your problems, but I'm not going to solve it for you. Or I'll help you find somebody or I'll find a recess, a resource for you. You know, I'm not going to do it for you, but I, I will connect you where I can. And to have a little black book of all these people is really as helpful. So that's something else that you can get in order. Lean on folks, Ryan says. Yep, but don't push. Yeah, there, that definitely is a balance because like you're mentioning, you, you don't want to burn bridges and you don't want them to feel like, gosh, you're making me do all your work. So when you are prioritizing your schedule of what you're going to get done each week, and especially when you're tiering teachers, like which groups do I need to hit multiple times a week or multiple times a month? Yeah, you can't lean on these people every day or every week. So if, but if there is something large and it is every once in a while and you've already cleared it with that person, yeah, there, that is a, a fine line. Good. I'm glad you mentioned that, Ryan. All right. The next option that we have here is delegate to teacher leaders. So there are going to be folks that aren't in a leadership position that want leadership experience. And in fact, the reason they want it, not only that they love it, but many, um, uh, what are they called? Like a, a, a rubric for performance, whatever your district might call it. There's usually some component on there about taking the initiative to lead something on campus. So that generally means your principal can't appoint it to you or give it to you, that you go out of your way to volunteer, to, to lead a club, or to run a meeting or share a strategy at a meeting or, or something. And so there are going to be teachers, uh, if you've read that book by Ron Clark, I think it's by Ron Clark, and he calls some of them the runners. Like they are diehard, they are ready to go above and beyond. And you're probably thinking right now exactly who in your building these people are. Uh, they want to be able to help. So if there's something that you might be able to bring them in on without, again, dumping something on their on their table. But if there is something that they could get leadership experience for and help another teacher, definitely lean on them. Think about how you could bring them in to share during your book study, not run it, but maybe they're sharing something that really uh, had a big effect in their classroom. Or if they have access to a resource, you know, that could be really helpful. Then you say, Hey, can you partner up with this person? share that chapter from that book or share that video that you referenced and make sure that they're prepped for their lesson. And they're like, oh my gosh, I can't wait. And then you always tell them, hey, document all these things you're doing, date, time, if you want a signature so it's legit, so that you can track all your leadership options. Because when it does come time for you to interview for a leadership position, you can now showcase all the different ways that you've helped on your campus. Or when it is time for that evaluation, you can say, look, I am accomplished because I'm not just doing things that are what the school has asked of me, but there are things that I'm being, that I'm volunteering for. I'm willing to help other people, not just my grade level team. So think about the teacher leaders who are in your building that don't necessarily have a title. So the first one we talked about was divide and conquer. That's thinking about leaders in your building. And the second one here, we've talked about delegating to teacher leaders. Feel free to put your questions in the chat or um, jump here on stage with me. We're going to move on to the next one. Uh, time, resource, planning, practice, and collaboration. That 
is a bunch. What does all that mean? It means you have to figure out what someone needs to get better. What is one thing that they desire, that they need, that they require in order to get better? And many times it is not the thing they're asking for. It is taking me a really long time to learn that. Someone asks me, they, I need manipulatives. Great, here you go. I just need time to plan lessons. Okay, I'll try and help you figure that out. Uh, but a lot of times there's some root of the problem that until you really knew your teachers, you're like, that's not really what you need. I know you need better planning systems because that's why you're running out of time and that's why you don't have this ready to go or you don't need classroom management tips. Like your lesson plan is full of gaps and kids are just filling it with their own things. So let's actually get to the planning piece first instead of putting the bandaid on with the classroom management and on and on. So I always tell myself, if I had to name one thing that this person needs, is it a resource? Is it planning time with me? Is it practice time where you're just running through a sticky part of your lesson? Um, or is it collaboration? They just need to talk it out, whether it's talk out with me, talk it out with a colleague, um, but the biggest one we see with teachers is time. They just need some time to figure it out, time to get it together. They need time for their students to kind of catch on to something new they've tried, for the data to get collected. And that's the hardest one to really provide because time itself is the only one that can provide that. But yeah, you can provide the resource and you can provide the planning and you can provide the practice and you can provide collaboration. Remember, you are the person that they're coming to saying, I need help, or because you're out in the building, you know that they need XYZ, and you are helping create the opportunity for it to happen. These things don't come out of thin air. There's rarely a, a room that's sitting there unused. Um, there's rarely like materials just sitting there with extra copies, right? We have to be the ones that are ready to solve the problem, knowing that the problems are coming and kind of be able to quickly assess what does this person truly need. And you won't know that unless you know your people and you won't know it unless you've got the relationship where they can say, um, okay, let's talk about what's really happening here and why I'm struggling, why I'm in this predicament. And then you can figure that out. So that third tip there is to, is to get to what what is the thing I can provide? What's the number one thing that they need? So the next one, where are we on four? The root of the problem versus what's obvious or requested. And I've kind of alluded to this throughout this chat that there's often so much happening at the top of the surface that you could solve problems all day and never make any traction. And that's where frustration comes in in leadership. It's like, I'm helping these teachers constantly, but I'm not seeing any improvement. And I'm getting harped at because the scores aren't changing or they're not strong enough in this area, or we're seeing the same mistakes. And that tells you that we're not working on what really matters. And I always talk about this three system and it definitely works in elementary school. So those of you in middle school and high school, you might have a different way to look at it. But for me, the design of a lesson is essential. And I don't just mean lesson planning. That is a piece of it. 
But when you design a lesson, that's from the moment they walk in to the moment they walk out. Where's everyone sitting? Where's everyone going? What's the time on the clock? What's the pace of the lesson? What materials and where are they located? How are students transitioning in the classroom? Like literally, if you were putting on a, a play, you have to think through all the logistics. And a lot of times, especially just with the lesson plan, it's like page two, and then we're gonna talk about this graphic organizer, and then we're gonna do X, Y, Z. And we might have a standard on there, right? But they don't think about all the teacher and the student actions, and it becomes an absolute mess. So until you clean up like the design feature of, of how the lesson's gonna go, the execution, really nothing else is gonna help you. Uh, they're not ready. You got to get to the basement, which is what that is. That creates the foundation. Then level two is classroom management. And I don't mean behavior management. We're not going to like control the kids, but you put a lot of routines and procedures in place to keep it a well-oiled machine, to keep class running and keep class efficient, keep it on track, um, allow kids some ownership opportunities too. And, but again, that can't happen if the lesson planning and design is, is a mess. They haven't really thought enough through the whole logistics and thoroughness of the lesson. So then comes that orchestration piece of the management. And lastly, is that all that ownership in terms of student engagement, we want students to in, interact with us multiple ways, one with the content one with us and another way with each other. And so if they aren't having ample opportunities throughout the lesson, not just uh, during independent practice or a quick discussion at the end, to interact with the content, each other and us as the leaders in the classroom, well, I guess your teachers, since you guys are leading them, then we're, we're not doing uh, what we absolutely need to, to make this happen. Hey, Casey. So that in elementary school has worked well, the lesson design, classroom management, student engagement. And so when you're thinking about these teachers and the root of the problem versus what they're actually requesting, you might quickly see we've got to actually back up. And how can I help this person get stronger, faster? And it's not putting Band-Aids on it. So uh, yes, listen to their request of what they need, you can help them in the moment, but really, if you ever want to see any major change, we've got to get to the root of it. So let's see, that was one, two, three, four, five. I'm going to give you one more and then we'll open up to see if anyone has questions or wants to share. Number five, <laughs> people first. So that means relationships. And I skip that step often and I'm trying to get better at that. Second is mindset. And third is professional. Now, what does this mean? We first have to serve people as people. So that's where you're just connecting. You like sports or you go to the same place on Saturday mornings or uh, you have the same humor or you have the same number of kids or you guys grew up in the same town. Find those commonalities and just build relationships as people. And then you can't even yet, not yet, you can't get to the professional stuff yet. You still have another layer, which is mindset. And we've only recently realized that a lot of the reasons teachers aren't growing is because they don't believe the way they're being asked to solve problems is actually going to have the impact because they don't see the change fast enough. They just don't believe it. Um, 
or they're just not willing to put in the time and the effort to do something that's not their own idea. And so we're spinning our wheels thinking, gosh, we meet with these teachers every week, sometimes multiple times a month, and we're not seeing them implement what we talk about. But they say it to us that they're doing these things, but then we don't see it happen. And that's because we know that there's this mindset shift. And so when you're tiering your teachers and grouping them together, one of your groups is going to be mindset folks, people that just don't believe that they need to do anything or that they're stronger than they are, or maybe some that even think they're weaker than they actually are. They're really hard on themselves. Um, or just folks that get in their own way. They overthink it. They're usually the ones always asking questions or before they can even take action, it's like, hold on, I got to really sift through this. And it's like, we don't have that kind of time. I, I want you to process, but we can't spend a whole week thinking about the idea. We got to just give it a whirl at some point, right? Um, and so mindset is just a bigger piece to the puzzle than we've probably realized. And that ebbs and flows. So these groups, when you're tiering your teachers, are, aren't always going to be the same five people together or the same 10 people. It's going to change based on whatever you're working on, what their goals are, or the time of year, definitely you'll see attitudes change. So if you serve people first and get to know them as people, they get to see you as a human and not as someone who's just there to do a job and uh, telling them what's wrong. Then that leaves the door open for them to even listen to what you have to say and take it in, which is part of the mindset. Like, oh, that's an interesting perspective, or I hadn't thought about that, or your experience is interesting. It might actually benefit me, or I hadn't thought of that. And then comes the professional piece where you're working on them setting goals, you're doing all your coaching cycles, you're helping them truly move up the ranks. And But again, all that can't happen before the mindset and before the people. So I'm going to go through these five again, and then I'll open up to questions and you guys can share your stories. And of course, keep chatting in the comment section. Let's actually go rewind. Let's go to the beginning when I was talking about uh, what you can do now and prep for next year. So get some sort of survey together of how, what's the one thing they wish they had this year to, to make them better. And they're going to be really honest and really blunt. So try and make it anonymous and that you want that information before they leave so that you can spend the summer thinking about how you can work around because some of it is going to take time or money and you've got to get your hands on those things. So figure it out before these teachers leave what they wish they had from this year so you can build it into next year's plan. Uh, observe them, not just in the classroom. You got to watch them in all areas uh, of the school building as they're planning, as they're collaborating, as they're learning in PD, as they're talking with students and parents. I mean, try and see as much as you can to get a full picture of who they are uh, professionally and personally. Then you'll tier them in terms of who needs a lot of support all the way up to who do you just need to check in on. Once they're tiered, you can group them. So who am I going to work with? Instead of working one-on-one, -on -one, let's work smarter. Let's work with a small group. All people focus on the same thing. Or we'll get some high folks and some low folks together, and they can uh, do a quick practice session. And then the fifth part of that is to meet with them in your normal coaching cycles. So once you have that all going for yourself, now you feel like you've got yourself set up 
to where you know your teachers, you know what they need, you know what they're asking for. That's that's the want piece, even though you might say, I actually know you need something before that. But that's where we go into these five strategies that I share with you. And these are ways to make sure you adapt to the different needs of your teachers. You can lead differently and everyone can be successful. And I know that feels weird that you, it's not that you're like shape shifting, but you do have to have a different approach for different people. So the first one we talked about is divide and conquer. There are leaders in the building who are uh, experts and you can ask them to help you in any way that seems fit. If, if they need to model or they can help co-plan or they can uh, do a quick observation or they can talk with somebody um, or they can record something. I mean, decide um, how they can help. If they're a literacy facilitator, they can work with folks that struggle in that area or math or what other science or technology coach uh, if they're really struggling with getting students more engaged through technology. But divide and conquer. Two was delegate to teacher leaders. These are folks in the building without leadership roles, but want to build and grow their leadership portfolio and think about how you can have them come in for a meeting. They can model, they can share stuff they do in their classroom. I had a teacher come in one time with a binder, uh, or I think it was her data binder. And it was so one of those beautiful things, but it was also really intentional and easy once you set it up. And I wanted folks to figure out how they could make it their own. It didn't have to be color coded like hers was, but the point was how she was, how she set it up and then was easy to update all the time was really amazing. So think about how you can bring different assets in that's already in the building. You don't have to have all the answers. Number three, we talked about what's the one thing this person needs right now. And it could be time, a resource, planning, practice, collaboration, and there's many more, but try and narrow it down when someone's talking with you and they need help. What is the one thing that's going to make the biggest difference right now. And that's going to help you know what type of solution you can give. Number four, we talked about getting to the root of the problem, not just going with what's obvious or whatever they're requesting that you're really thinking to yourself, is this going to actually make a difference or is this just a band-aid? And I gave the example of doing a lesson design and then classroom management and then student engagement that all kind of like if you're building a home, starts at the foundation all the way to the roof. You really can't serve, um, work on engagement issues if you're not designing your lessons appropriately. So it's, a, it's essential that you are able to get down to the root of it really fast. And then the last one we talked about is people first, build those relationships, then work on mindset with folks before you can get to all the professional growth. And this will ebb and flow throughout the year. So it's not like, oh, great, they're, they're now in professional goals. I no longer have to work on mindset or be a human around them. You know, you always have to do these things all the time. All right, let me pop into the chat while um, you guys are thinking a little bit about what I mentioned here and see what you guys have to say. Christina says, I was just thinking about how difficult it is to help those that think there's nothing to work on. And that is true. And folks will, like, I run this mastermind of teacher leaders, which you guys are more than welcome to become part of in the fall cohort. But I say, what's on, what's on top for you? Meaning like, what is your biggest issue right now? How can I help you 
work through it. And some of them will say like, oh, nothing. Like, it's great. I mean, it's fine. No big deal. It's a normal routine day. I don't really think I have anything. Well, if you give it 10 minutes and everyone starts talking, all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, I actually needed to talk about that. Or, oh yeah, this did happen. You know, so there are things that folks need to work on that they're not even probably thinking of. And so if, if a teacher will tell me like, no, I'm good. I'll say, okay, awesome. Who in your class is driving you crazy or who in your class needs the most of your time, whether they're ready to move on and they're high kid or uh, they're always distracted because they just can't get it and they're a low kid. And they quickly name someone. I say, awesome. I'm going to come hang out with that kid tomorrow for like six minutes or something. Give a weird time. It just makes it sound a little more official. <laughs> so you pop in and you're really watching this teacher to get ideas of how you can help them grow, not how you can fix them, not that th there's anything wrong with them, but how can you stretch them? Like, what's the next level for them? What does it look like? But you're working with this kid who they, this teacher mentioned like, hey, I could use a break from this person for five minutes. So you're working with them, but you're also listening and watching to get kind of an idea of, oh, wow, this teacher could really benefit from the kids running the timer or the technology or answering the phone or taking the attendance, or this teacher could really benefit from um, using more choral response to really emphasize a point, or this person really needs um, help with designing outline notes so they're not like filling in a word every five seconds. Kids are more focused on taking notes than actually comprehending material. You know, you don't know that till you get in there. So always try and think of how can I get in and truly see the picture? And then you can meet up with them and say, hey, I got to work with that kid. It was so great to get to know them. Um, I hope I was an asset. I was able to help. I also had a thought. I'm wondering if it would be really helpful if I could help you on blank. And they might say like, oh, I never thought about that. And you say, yeah, let's give it a try. Like, like, let me give you a suggestion and then I'll check back with you in a few days. And, you know, give them some rope, meaning give them time to take in what you're saying, to give it a try, and then you can come back and, and give them some feedback. So there's always something to work on. Our most gifted teachers have always have something they want to try, especially if you're in a chat like this or in Twitter, like everyone's always talking about some new thing. So, you know, the good ones are always willing to, to give something uh, a go. It's the ones who are kind of stuck in a rut or they only want to do it their one way, which, you know, is probably mindset. So that would definitely be something to focus on. So uh, Christina, different Christina says, one of the things I also consider when looking at mindset and buy-in is whether it's skill, will, or cognitive ability. I've grouped my teachers that way. Yes, I'm so glad you said that. That is a fantastic way to group people, but not only group them, but to understand why people do the things they do, right? Are, is it they're just not there? They just don't have the skill, the strategy, the technique yet, I mean, that's easy. That just takes practice and they've got to see it in action and they've got to practice and get feedback. Is it will? They're just not interested. They don't want to put any more time. They're already frustrated, um, down and out. Uh, they're on their last straw. You know, they just, they don't have much left to give um, or just not interested, you know, or is it they just will never understand this or uh, incapable of this concept or idea in which you're just shift. You'll shift to something 
else that they can work on that will still have a big impact and, and put that to later. <laughs> but yes, skill, will, or cognitive ability. And this is all happening in our room chat, by the way, if you guys can see it at the bottom, you just, um, it's a little talk bubble you can hit. Uh, so thanks for sharing that, Christina. Let's see, Ryan, there are so many things on teacher's plates. It's good to have conversations about the simplest stuff. Yeah. And when you can just take a break and be people for a minute, it just reminds you that we're all human and, and everyone has a different role in this life. And at the end of the day, like we're, we're just people and it takes the pressure off of trying to be something you're not in all the parts of your day. You know, you don't have to sit straight up in the teacher's lounge because someone walks in and you don't have to change the words you're using because you feel like you've got to be professional in certain situations. Like you can, you can be effective and still be yourself and have your personality. And when they see that you can turn it off and on, meaning like, oh, now we're having a professional conversation and now we're just people, um, they appreciate that and they respect that. And um, it, takes, it takes a little practice because it does feel somewhat uncomfortable, but you cannot make change until you've got that relationship. And then once the relationship's there, we got to make sure they're ready and willing, which is that mindset. And then you can get to work. Christina says, great suggestions. Thanks. You're welcome. Casey, hashtag raise up leaders. That is right. Antonietta, how are you? So glad you're here. She says, sometimes administrators don't want to see the creativity of teachers, especially if they don't understand the subject. Oh, that's so interesting because... Uh, one, sometimes creativity is against time. It takes a lot of time. And when we already feel behind or we've got kids who are behind and we walk into a classroom and they're having this really engaging activity and creative presentation that isn't the most efficient way to teach something, it, it does make you get a little scared as an administrator because your name at the end of the day is on this data and we've got to do everything we can to make sure these kids get rounds and rounds of practice and that they open their brains and the content goes in and sometimes when you take a creative approach it just takes time away and it's like tick 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 and they're thinking oh my god oh my god like we're going to run out of time and we're already behind and you just freak out but what we don't realize is, or what we don't focus on, welcome Leslie, is that if you can hook kids with a creative lesson, it'll be slow in the beginning, but you will catch up. You will gain time later because they're not going to be fooling around. You can give more detailed, thorough, deeper assignments because you've got them hooked already. So we have to believe that when we allow teachers a little space to be their own creative self and how they present the content, we will be able to move at a quicker clip. Kids aren't going to be absent. They don't want to be absent. They're having too good of a time. They want to engage in the class and discuss, which means they're processing content at a faster rate because they're now engaged with the content. So just because it looks different and just because it might seem like we're not moving as fast because it's not a worksheet or it's not rapid fire, uh, we can still make gains because we've, we're getting the buy-in and the motivation and we're building the relationships and all of that will serve us longer, better, but we have to give teachers time and space. And so if you're an administrator, I would say, think about the teacher. 
Is this a person that can handle it if this doesn't work? Meaning I'm going to give you these next six weeks to teach with some creativity. And if the scores at the end of the week aren't improving, they don't have to be where we need them to be. But if they're not showing forward momentum, then we're going to go back to the way that I'm asking you to teach. But it at least gives them the option to try to make a difference, to have an impact, to love their job, for kids to just be super excited about learning again. And you can be creative with boundaries. You know, maybe it's like, hey, we're not going to do a project for eight weeks with the kids cutting and gluing. And like, I don't mind a project for a day or I don't mind getting into character for an hour, but like, let's not make this a bigger production. Let's, let's do a little bit. Let's, you know, but that's fine. That's compromise. And, and I think teachers will work hard for a, a leader who is willing to, to give it a go. So I agree. I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, let's see, Melissa. Oh, Antonia is talking, already tagging people in. Yeah. We got to help these teachers read some, uh, lead some workshops. I like that. Uh, Melissa says, Hey, Melissa, if I didn't say hey to you already, I have teachers who'll be self-contained next year and they're freaking out about teaching reading. I'm probably going to meet with them as a group and get the more proficient teachers to help facilitate. Yes. Good idea. So meet as a group first. Talk about expectations for what you want this to look like. Talk about best practices. If you can share videos or folks can model um, what this looks like. And it might be helpful to start really small, you know, like guided reading, teach just the direct instruction portion and, you know, try and do bits and pieces first until they truly get it. And talk about accountability and data collection. You know, if you were to map out all the layers of your reading instruction do piece by piece. You know, maybe it's like a standing weekly meeting or something and it could even be virtually, but it would be helpful to start together whole and then parcel them out. And maybe they can all have a buddy for accountability or a mentor. Um, they, they need to go see great reading happening. So if they can't see it in your building with a learning walk, then you're going around with a videotape in the beginning, trying to capture as much as you can and then share it on a shared drive and say, you know, watch five minutes of this, pick out one thing from the video you want to try in your next block, fill out this form, what you tried, how it went, what you're going to do next time. And just keep that on repeat until you start to see the instruction going really great. And then they, as they gain momentum, they're going to be able to help each other more as they're trying out new things. And you're not going to have to depend on other stronger people anymore because they're going to start being ones that can model for each other. So I like your idea of, um, you know, meeting with them first and then kind of grouping them out and, and bringing in other leadership to help. Because remember, we can divide and conquer, but we can also delegate to other people in the building who don't necessarily have the leadership title, but are really proficient in what they do. And I've learned also, you don't have to be a reading teacher to be really good at teaching reading. And what I mean by that is there are a lot of similar approaches to instruction in other subject areas. Think of content areas like science and social studies that have a lot of vocabulary and really um, deep passages that they have to read, those teachers have also learned different ways to instruct their kids. And there might be someone that you can lean on and say, hey, how do you make it engaging? Or how do you teach 
really tricky vocabulary or how do you um, get through this entire chapter um, that's just full of content and it's just it takes a while to really digest what's your suggestions and they might have some ideas so think outside the box too christina says sometimes we had to start slow to go fast amen sister and casey says so much of this is really coaching teachers and people through change yeah casey it totally is and change is happening around us all the time. What change of a season, change of report cards, change of the actual year on the calendar versus the school year, change of leadership, change of subject area, change of who your teaching team is, change in your own life. And you will notice anytime that there is a change, people show up differently, whether it's a good change or a bad change. And so my first question when someone comes in and they just don't look themselves, say, what happened? <laughs> because I know something triggered their response and they need to get back on track. And when I know my teachers and I know what they need, I can get them back on track sooner. And so you're right. A lot, there's so much change happening around this new curriculum, new tech tools, new leadership, new demands, new standards. And it's a lot and it takes people a while to get on board. Everyone processes change different. Everyone processes new initiatives different. Um, my husband always says, I got to plant the seed. Like he'll like, Hey, I have this great idea for something. And I'm like, no. <laughs> and he's like, he'll come back in an hour or the next day and, and mention it again. And that's, it's given me time to think. I was like, well, you know, that thing you were talking about, like, I've actually thought maybe it could work. And he's like, oh, that's interesting. Okay. And then, you know, checks back in 48 hours. I'm like, all right, I've got this plan. I think we can do it. And he'll just giggle. You know, I just needed time. Uh, that's my personality. And so when you know your teachers, especially as change comes, some are like, let's go. I don't even care. I, I can't wait for the change. And others are like, nope, I've been doing it this way for so long. And I've never needed a coach and I've never needed to use technology. And I've never this, that, and the other thing, or, or this worked last week, or this worked last year, this always works. Um, it, that's that mindset. You know, we really got to help people through change. So good connection there. Casey says, again, identifying the, the native genius in the people we can delegate to or resource out is so such powerful work for the culture of the school too. Yeah, you're right. Because when you know, I've talked about this on the podcast before, um, the Empowering Educators podcast, is when you can leverage the talent within your building, you become such a stronger leader. Because it's not about you. And in the beginning of this chat, I talked about being a connector. When you know who you have and how you can best utilize them, and then you actually do that thing, <laughs> you get so much momentum towards your goals because you're not having to recreate the wheel. You're not having to teach other people to do something they're not good at. You just appoint the people who are good at it and you find a way to make it work. Whether you lighten their load of you don't teach an eighth period class because you're over here mentoring or um, coaches, you're a strong asset as an instructor. I need you teaching this one class. And because of that, I'll give you a prep period. And you know, whatever, we got to think about how we can leverage the strength within the building instead of forcing everyone 
that they all have to be able to do the exact same things. No, you're really good at this and you're really good at this. And I'm going to use that to my benefit because we got things to do and we got to get this bus moving. And these kids need us. Like, let's stop the shenanigans of, of trying to make everybody a clone and let me just figure out what I've got. And that's why it's so helpful if you don't interview or meet or do some like cupcakes with coach or something at the beginning of the year, you're never going to get to really have a sit down time to get to know people, to even know what they're good at. And so I always say, uh, when I'm talking with grade levels, if people had heard about third grade or whatever grade level, uh, what would they say? They're like, oh, so-and-so's really the, uh, good at this, or so-and-so's really funny, or this person's amazing. If you ever need help with technology, like they got it, or this person has been teaching for a million years, any resource you could ever need or material is here. And I'm like, boom, I now know who my resources are and for what. And that's really helpful intel. So definitely get to know the strength in your building. You may never use it, but it is always good to know what it is curious what my Enneagram number is. I heard I was a one and then I have a wing number, I guess. I'm not sure what my other wing number is, um, but that might tell you I'm just very type A, a leader. <laughs> and I have learned to be a stronger leader by delegating, but that has been a process for sure. Um, okay. Any questions from you guys who have been listening? Any tips that you have learned that you want to add to the discussion for how to adapt to different teacher needs. You can put them right in the chat. You can jump on stage with me, whatever you would like, but I wanna make sure everyone feels heard and validated and gets everything that they need um, before going into this week. I don't know if I've said hello to you, Leslie. Good to see you here. I think I have said hello to everybody else. Any other questions? Any other comments? This replay is going to go in both the my podcast, the Empowering Educators podcast, but also it'll be here on Clubhouse. If you missed the beginning, I did do a recap like halfway through so you can hear. But really the whole point of this is, yeah, I mean, if you took notes, that's great and everything. I'm giving you a star, <laughs> but it would also be helpful if um, you really think about what all this means and how can you apply it and what are you going to do differently and how are you going to better help teachers? So all of that is, is really helpful. Um, and more important than the actual notes that, that are happening. Christina says, I may have missed this, but do you have some type of survey sample you sent to your teachers? Yes, I can stick that in the chat. I'm also going to put our coaching summit, the virtual coaching summit is going to be coming up. So grab your ticket. I put the link in the chat there. I will find the survey link. Feel free to keep asking questions while I look for that. Like I said, I'm really thankful for this chat feature because it allows you all to talk to each other while while we're learning. Um, and that's what learning's all about is a collaboration. So happy about that. So the survey that I am going to share with you here is interesting because it came about from teachers thinking in one area versus another. 
<laughs> and so I basically have them score themselves on different aspects of instruction. And um, it's really helpful for them to be honest, but it's helpful for you to be like, oh, okay, so you think you're good at this, or you actually think you're really not good at this at all. So um, that is really helpful. And I have other surveys too, like giving you feedback on yourself. I'll stick that in here too, um, or on your PD. Um, and I can give that to you later. You guys can just DM me, but it is really helpful for you to give them the chance to speak their truth. Like let them brag on themselves. What are you good at? What do you need help with? Um, give them the opportunity versus coming in and saying, this is what we're working on, or this is what I heard you needed to work on. You give them a chance to set the tone and say like, this is actually where I, what I think I need. Okay. Any other last questions here? So again, I've put the link in there for your coaching summit. Any leader, a mentor, a cooperating teacher, dean of students, facilitator, PD presenter, anything. Grab your buddy. Grab your virtual ticket. Uh, you get the replay if you miss it um, live. And you have months to watch this stuff. And there's such great folks that are going to be there presenting, many in this room right now. So be sure to get there. And then those surveys um, are there for you if you just want to check them out. And I think they're editable still. So you can make them your own or turn them into Google Doc um, or Google survey, whatever. All right, folks, we are here every night. Hey, Chris, every Sunday. Uh, actually, we move to every other. So but it's 8 p.m. Eastern. We talk all different types of leadership topics. Follow the club. Go to that little greenhouse at the top. It's called Instructional Coaching. And you can actually listen to all the past chats we've had. So if you're like, wow, this is really helpful. I want to see what else they've talked about. You can see the topic and then you can tune in and listen to it just like it's a podcast, which is pretty awesome. They don't go all the way back to when Clubhouse originated because the replay was a newer feature, but there are quite a few on there that you can get caught up on which is pretty awesome. If you ever want to co-moderate with me, that means you have a topic you'd love to chat about that you want to share with other people that you think you're pretty um, great at or have some tips or strategies, just DM me. I'd love to have you be on stage here with me. Otherwise, I will see you here every other Sunday night at eight. Don't forget to grab your coaching summit ticket. I've loved chatting with you all about adapting to different teacher needs. So with that, I hope you take a couple lessons with you, apply it this week and help your teachers end this year with a bang. All right, y'all go be great. All right, elite educators. I hope you found value in that clubhouse chat. All resources mentioned will be in the show notes. Just visit www.alwaysalesson.com. Click on podcast and find this bonus episode. Wishing you an empowered school year. Go be great.